Hello and welcome to another episode of the Get Football Tactics podcast. I'm your host Neil Shilat as always and I'm delighted to say I've been joined by Varun Vasudevan. How are you Varun? Yeah, uh I've been good. I've had a tiring week but a very relaxing Friday, Saturday, Sunday here. So, I'm good. How are you guys doing? Yep, all good. Perhaps a bit better than you unless you didn't watch the Manchester United Bournemouth game. Uh, I did. I do these things to myself <laughs> every week intentionally. It good happens. Stuff. Good stuff, good stuff. And of course, we've got Alex Parker as always. How are you Alex? Uh I'm I'm doing very good. Um I'm really trying to think of a 4-0 pun, but uh my brain isn't properly working. Wasn't it yet. 3? Oh, three, sorry. I, do you know what it was? I, no, I didn't it was watch four, the, right? Yeah, but no, it was, the goal got disallowed, didn't it? The goal oh, got yeah, disallowed. I, I wasn't watching the game. I just got a text saying it's four, and uh, I didn't get it corrected until a lot later. So in my head, it's still four. Right, right. I mean, either way, four or three. We're doing today. We, we talk about a team that's um um uh, unless, unless in the was in the top three of the Bundesliga. Yes, they're doing better than the team before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they are. They are. <laughs> we so well. Without further ado, uh, we're gonna talk about VfB Stuttgart, who are, I guess, the big story of the Bundesliga this season. Even though Bayer Leverkusen are top, I mean, obviously that's a big thing in itself. And we did talk a bit about Leverkusen in our season preview. I think a general consensus was that they were really exciting, but like none of us really saw them you know, shooting to the top like this. We all thought they would, you know, be a bit definitely behind Bayern, maybe Leipzig. But they've been you know, incredibly impressive. They're still unbeaten. I believe now they're the only unbeaten team in the Bundesliga after uh, Bayern got thrashed by Frankfurt on Saturday. But we are going to talk about third place Waffe Stuttgart, who are going to play Leverkusen later today as we record this. We're recording this on Sunday. so. I mean, this game could go anyway, but uh, yeah, I think Stuttgart are the big story because they only survived by the relegation playoff last season. So they finished 16th um, and now they're up in third and it's not like they're third by a fluke. In fact, by the underlying numbers, they, they're they second in the league. They're even better than Leverkusen. Uh, so they're... I mean, there we will obviously dive into the data a bit more later, but basically we can safely say that yeah, you know, they're very much legit. Like they're not here um, through some crazy overperformance or something like that. They are absolutely a top three team in the Bundesliga this season. So I, I, I mean, we definitely think this demands further investigation to see how they completely turned around from, you know just about avoiding relegation to genuinely challenging for at least a Champions League spot. Uh, So yeah, let's dive into it. As always, before we get into what exactly is going on this season with tactics and data and everything, let's just quickly take a step back and get some wider context. Varun's been doing some research on everything uh, about Stuttgart's boardroom uh, and perhaps feeling a bit sad that Manchester United can't implement any of what they've done. What have they done, Varun? Yeah, I mean, I think I was telling this to you before we started recording. So much of, so many of the team tactics that we discuss and the team success and failure on the pitch, there is a big link to some boardroom angle, some angle of uh, how they've structured the club. And Stuttgart's no different. It seems like they've come out of nowhere. As you said, last year, relegation zone, and this year, third, and what is happening. But the seeds for trying to make Stuttgart a successful club has been sown from a few years ago. In fact, after their 2018 promotion, uh, they did this thing. It's a German word. It's called Ausgliederung. Neil might be able to pronounce it better. But... It's this Neil, thing. I, I did German at A level. <laughs> yeah, but I lived okay. in Switzerland. So a I, bit did ge- I did German at A level. Yeah, but I lived in Switzerland. So yeah, I was... Switzerland, they don't speak German all the time, do they? Yeah, but I lived in Zurich where they do speak German. Right, okay. Well, how about we both go... I live... go print- <laughs> you, both, you both have a shot at the word. And... Yeah, after you, Neil. Okay. Ausgleiterung. 
Uh, I would have gone with Askeladel. Yeah, it's great. E uh, I E. You're right. Yeah, uh, I mean uh, the the <laughs> German guy I heard it from. He sounded a lot more like Alex. So that's one point yeah, to Alex. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so what is this? Um, it's basically separating the club into a limited company where sponsors can buy shares without breaching the famous fifty plus one fan rule that uh, the Bundesliga has. And Stuttgart did this in 2018. And over the years, they've got a lot of sponsors who have been pumping in millions into the club. Mercedes, Daimler, Betway, Alliance, Coca-Cola. And the biggest change came in June 2023 when Porsche took over the main rights, uh, the stadium uh, naming rights. And they now have a 100 million package deal with them uh, for investment into the first team and additional youth development packages as well. So Stuttgart have been uh, spending a lot, uh, maybe not in the transfer market. I mean, we'll get into the transfers, but maybe they, they haven't been buying big players or spending like crazy in the market, but they have been spending a lot internally on their infrastructure, on the youth teams. So there's a good chance we'll see um, the effects of this over the next few years as well. That said... Um, on the pitch, it was always a bit of back and forth. Even after the promotion in 2018, uh, they got relegated again and then promoted again. And then last year, as Neil said, they were almost relegated and somehow saved themselves. And the man, the main reason for, for that was Seb Hones, who came in and really helped them a lot. So I think with that background we could jump into what Sebhones did so who is Sebhones exactly uh neil over to you yep uh i suppose the the surname might maybe ring a bell or two for... oh so you need me again oh i thought you can ask to pronounce it no no thank you alex uh i think i think i'll take care of this one um yeah but the surname might uh, ring a bell or two for anyone who's followed german football or even maybe bayern from a distance because uh sebastian Hones is the son of uh, Dieter Hoeneß and the nephew of Uli Hoeneß, who, of course, was famously a former president of uh, Bayern Munich uh, and has done some interesting stuff, shall we say. Uh, but Sebastian, for his part, uh, was not involved in any of those things, as far as I'm aware. He, uh, I mean, he he's sort of one of those managers who couldn't really make it as a player. He did come through some academies, including Stuttgart's, and he did play for the second team of Hertha Berlin quite a bit, but never really made it at the senior level. So he switched um, to sort of coaching uh, fair, I think, when he was about uh, closer to 30. Um, and then he obviously spent a lot of time in youth academies. Uh, he started off, uh, did some work at Erbe Leipzig. He really made a name for himself at Bayern Munich. Um, he first coached the under-19s, and then I guess his biggest uh, achievement there was winning the Drittenliga, the third tier in, in Germany, with Bayern Munich's second team. Of course, you know there were some really talented players there and all that, but I think it is definitely something worth recognizing because the season after they were relegated, um, and they were relegated from the third tier because they, even though they won the third tier, they couldn't get promoted because of the basically the rules in Germany which prevent. Uh, second teams from climbing above the third tier, essentially. Uh, and so, you know, it, it, it is a pretty good achievement that he won the league with a team that would go on to get relegated. And so on the back of that, he was hired by Hoffenheim. He spent about, uh, a, I think, a couple of seasons there. Did a decent job. Maybe not as good as people might have expected um, on, on the back of his... Uh, you know his his work at Bayern second team and and that, but uh, he was all right. But now he at Stuttgart, he was brought in to obviously save them from relegation. In what was by the way crazy season, they changed managers like four times. So they, or rather, they had four different managers through the season. They started with Pellegrino Matarazzo, who brought them up, uh, obviously from the Zweite Bundesliga. He was eventually sacked uh, in October, and then uh, Michael Wimmer took interim charge till like the the Christmas break almost. Then they brought in Bruno Labbadia. He was sacked in April, and and you know that's very much towards the end of the season. 
panic stations. And then they went and got Hunes. And obviously he kept them up um, through the playoff, through the relegation playoff, where they beat Hamburg, which, well, apparently everyone seems to do. Hamburg get to the playoffs and then they lose. Um, but now he's he's really kicked on. And, you know, this is something which maybe people might have expected this sort of performance from uh, one of his teams right after he left um, the, the Bayern Munich system. But, you know, this is, I suppose, him really showing his potential. And it's, it's I mean, of course, a lot of credit has to go to him and the players. But as Warren said, there's a, a good system in place behind them as well. Um, and, and I suppose, you know, it, it's worth also mentioning that while they haven't ever gone crazy in the transfer window, they've always been pretty sensible with uh, what they do. So, uh, for example, if we look at some of the players they brought in uh, ahead of this season, the, uh, I think ultimately in terms of spending, they spent less than half of what they got, although a, a good chunk of what they got was uh, for Wataru Endo when he went to Liverpool. Which, by the way, was an, an unforeseen transfer, I imagine. It was quite late. And I, I think the club were preparing to start the season with him. And he was definitely a key player last season. I'd say he was one of the most important players for them. So that was a big blow. So them going on to do what they're doing right now after even losing Endo is really, really impressive. But in terms of some of their transfers, uh, they, they brought in a, a few uh, names worth mentioning. Uh, of course... Uh, uh, I mean, Seru Girasi was, uh, I believe, I think they converted his uh, loan deal or something like that. So, although he does come up, uh, he isn't exactly a new player. But some of the good signings, I, I, I suppose, are definitely Alexander Neubel from Bayern Munich on loan as the keeper. He's been, he's been very good. Uh, one player I like very much, who we'll definitely talk about further, is Dennis Undaf, also on loan from Brighton. And then a couple of good signings, uh, to, to uh, uh, rather permanent signings. Uh, Angelo Stiller uh, from Hoffenheim. I believe someone who Hernes worked with before and definitely someone who has been a key player um, for them, especially in terms of replacing Endo and also Wu Yong Jong from Freiburg. And so, yeah, you know, all of that combined is just about 20 million uh, euros. So... They've done some really, really great business in the window, but with with a clear focus of, of what, what they wanted and how Hernes wanted them to play. And of course, we couldn't really see a great deal of this last season when, of course, they were in that relegation battle and everything. But I think it's also worth noting that at the end of last season, although they finished 16th, on, um, expected, uh, on the expected goal difference, they were well in the top half of the table. In fact, they were seventh with a positive expected goal difference. Now, of course, there's a lot of caveats to this, you know, between like the four managerial changes and, and various game state effects and all, and all that. But it's, it's, it's worth noting that they weren't, they, I mean, they clearly were not the worst team in the league. Um, so th- there definitely was already something to build on there. It's not, it's not exactly like Hunas has taken a relegation level team and immediately convert them, converted them into Champions League contenders. Uh, they were somewhere in between, and now they are genuinely up there. So, of course, he does deserve credit. And I suppose now it's worth um, sort of discussing what exactly he has done. So, why don't we dive into their tactics? What shall we begin with? Uh, shall we start with... I, I guess their possession play is maybe the most interesting aspect. So, Varun, why don't we talk about what they do when they have the ball? Yeah, um, I think you set it up well. And one thing I'd immediately say, the first thing people need to know about Stuttgart is, you would think from imagining the club and how it used to play or imagining a Bundesliga team in general and maybe seeing the highlights and Gurasi goals, that they're very counter-attacking or very direct uh, kind of team. And they're not like that at all. So, I mean, that's the first thing. There are lots and lots of stats that back up how they are actually a very patient in-possession team. So, Opta Analyst has this really nice graph which uh, puts passes per sequence versus direct speed. Basically, in one corner, teams are very slow and intricate like your Manchester City type. 
in another corner teams are very fast and direct you could imagine counter attacking teams like west ham probably falling there and last year stuttgart were bang in the middle of both like they were average in the league for the number of passes they stitched together and the speed at which their moves are and this year they have solidly come to the bottom right corner towards slow and intricate only two teams in the league are more slow and intricate than them bayern munich and bayer leverkusen so this is actually and all the stats back this up by the way i i know alex will do a stat dive later but even looking at the basic surface level stats open play passes attempted stuttgart are third behind leverkusen and bayern munich um carries passes uh, into final third or all for all these met- metrics stuttgart are roughly second or third so this is a team that is actually playing a good possession brand of football and you can see that in their system so they line up in a 4231 they're a little more fluid especially in the attacking part but in build up it's often a 42 or a 33 and this really depends on their full backs when anthony raul plays he's a little like a wide typical full back when mittelstadt plays he has the ability to invert or tuck in like a left sided center back when ito plays he's a little more of a wide wing back types but he can also tuck in um, as a center back um stenzel who often plays at right back has the ability to invert into midfield he has a bit more of an expansive game and the two defensive midfielders are angelo stiller and atakan karazor and again they look like a pivot especially when they're defending but in the attacking phase angelo stiller's role is very fluid he has the ability to drop deep help in build up but also go forward and join in attack so he often takes up those left sided eight kind of positions and when stenzel inverts he takes up those right sided eight kind of uh, positions and they form a triangle with karazor and enzo millot when he plays he's often like a number 10 he has a lot of these back to goal hold up link up kind of roaming around the place linking up with everyone kind of game so they often form a diamond in midfield like that and when they get into the attacking phase uh, so i mean uh, up until here they play a very very short build up approach and they love to control the game and this is true against everyone they don't drop this even in tough games i saw both games against dortmund and they stuck to their principles they deployed six of these players either in a 4-2 or a 3-3 deep they kept trying to build up shot kept trying to play through the high press and then when they get into the attacking half or attacking third they start getting a lot more expansive that's where you'll see the crosses the through balls come in and what i really like about their attacking third gameplay is the focus on through balls they have lots of these really smart passes behind the defense line between the center back and full back into the half spaces into a channel runner and they've got really good runners who make use of this silas guirasi undav are all very good runners but they're also very good one touch linkers they have the ability to control it in those crowded areas in the half space or right in front of the defense line and then release it for someone else so usually a lot of their goals are these kind of one touch uh, passes or one two uh passes and then a through ball and release someone who goes and scores so it, the gameplay is like super exciting and um, i think it gets the best out of everyone in attack and even when you have subs come, coming in even when you have leveling playing uh, or someone else comes in and plays the gameplay doesn't suffer much uh, that fluidity and that attacking threat is always there so in possession um, pretty underrated and one of the most exciting teams to watch uh, for me I think is the reason as well why they they look so good in possession and just building upon what you're saying is that while I don't think anyone on this team is like a really superstar player I don't think like I think it's hard to argue it to a sense that this is like a Europa level league team in terms of quality I think what makes it work so much is just the profiles I think this is this this team's a great example of how complementary profiles can make everything tick like from the goalkeeper in Newball who is like a sweeper keeper light and he's very good at building out from the back and is really confident so he helps Stuttgart maintain that possession to both of the midfielders like Kalazor as you said like he's near the he's he's top of the squad for tackles interceptions i think and progressive passes per 90 and then they said we'll touch him in more individually later but Undav and Undav Jirasi 
and Silas, I think those three are great. Like, Girassi is the player you want with his back to goal, which is fine because Undav is the guy who will drop off and play like a, a number 10 almost. So it just constantly means he's picking up the ball, passing it into Girassi, or Girassi, sorry, and then he plays into all the runners going off him. And it, when you watch him, it is so hard. It's so hard to track. And I think it all comes down to those complementary profiles. Yeah, and also, you know, the point you made about about sort of their um, their the flexibility that their fullbacks deferred uh, is uh, I found interesting because it sort of reminds me, of course, of uh, Girona, who this are again being very impressive this season, and also have that build up flexibility, especially yep, through their fullbacks. Um, and I think uh, this is a point that um, Abel Mesharos uh, made uh, on Twitter. He's, he's a lovely guy, great analyst. Um, he, he, and basically in the context of Stuttgart and Girona, he was talking about how these um, flexible build-up options enable these teams to take on high-quality opposition in, in their leagues, right? Like Stuttgart, as you see, against Dortmund or, uh, you know, Girona against like Barcelona, Real Madrid, whoever. It's it's because they can switch up their build-ups um, and adapt to different situations, different opponents, uh, and, you know, keep mixing it up, basically. That ensures that they don't have a game where they are just stuck or stagnant because we see this with many teams. A great example, like Manchester City against Aston Villa in midweek, yeah. their their sort of in possession tactics were like nullified and then they were lost. Uh, but with like a team like Stuttgart or Girona who constantly do mix it up, um, if like one of their sort of systems or or plans doesn't work, they always have a second option to fall back on. And that's an option that they have practiced quite a bit. So they're already pretty good at it. So I think that's um, one interesting point uh, to note about them. And I guess that's part of the reason why they're doing so well. But also, of course, they do have to defend. And they're not, they're not bad at it. Uh, what have you noted uh, on, on in that respect, Varun? Yeah, uh, just to round off the attacking point, another data I forgot to mention um, guess which team has won the most penalties in Bundesliga this year? Uh, I'm gonna guess the way you ask it. Probably Stuttgart. <laughs> no, I think I, I, I think I think it's a red herring. I, I guess I'll be mm, Leipzig. Interesting. Okay, so I mean, both of you are kind of right. Stuttgart and RB Leipzig both uh, have won six penalties. And a fair play, Alex. Fair, you know, <laughs> fair play, Neil. Well done, Tomo. <laughs> Well done, both of you. And it's just the style in which both of them play. Both teams, especially in the attacking half, they start deploying those through balls into runners kind of style of play, right? That's their main avenue of chance creation. And they have really good runners who keep attacking the space. And some of them, Gurasi himself has earned three penalties. So he he is a huge, huge threat as we'll, we'll talk in detail about him later. Out of possession though, again... You would think this is the kind of team... I mean, most Bundesliga teams rely on the press. But Stuttgart are very, very strong in their pressing. Again, if you look at their pressing data, they are pretty much in the top three for everything, uh, along with Bayern Munich and Leverkusen. They're very, very intense uh, in their press. They have a very high press. And again, here they have a very... Um, it's not a super unique pattern, but it is a little different from a, what a lot of other teams are employing. They press with the front two, usually Undav and Guirasi, and then there is a three behind them. It's sort of like a wide diamond, where the wider players, they have that flexibility to go either sit on an opponent fullback or on an opponent uh, number eight who's drifting wide. They have that flexibility. There are two strikers who are pressing. There is one attacking midfielder who has like a delayed press based on where the ball is going. And if it comes into midfield, he then pushes in, usually on the opponent defensive midfielder or the opponent playmaker. Uh, the, the This number 10 of Stuttgart, he presses that player of the opponent, uh, trying to stop them there. And then in support, he has these two number eight types. And then finally, there's a, there's an anchor man who's usually Karazor. He doesn't really uh, press that high. But in general, the whole team is pretty high up the pitch. Their defensive line height is uh, is pretty good. Uh, they have an intense press. And I caught the Dortmund game, as I said. And they were hell for Dortmund. I mean, 
multiple times they created turnovers by stealing the ball in Dortmund's half and then quickly releasing the through ball as well so in a sense that that attacking pattern that they have right where they just want to release through balls to their runners they get the best of that in both avenues in possession they have the build up and the progression to beat the opponent press and then get to a point where they get into that mode where they can utilize their runners on the break and out of possession also they press steal and counter press and then are able to do that as well so it's just a very nice way in which both their in and out of possession stuff contributes to how they work as a team and how they succeed as a team yep and i think it's also worth mentioning yeah as you said they have a very good sort of defensive set- setup uh, and structure and uh, i think it's 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 maybe a little difficult to exactly characterize them in terms of their approach because when they do press they press with you know great intensity and generally good success as you say but but they're not like all out gung ho pressers like they're not going to press no matter what they they do tend to pick their moments c- quite well um so it's it's not like a newcastle for example where no matter who it is or what it is they are just going to press um they so they're sort of you know a little bit conservative in, in that respect but with a very good structure tough to break down uh, and also tough to play through when they do step up and yeah as you say um they're very good counter pressers as well perhaps we should have mentioned this uh, when we are talking about their sort of build up and everything but i guess part of that is because they have those close distances when they especially when they're building initially so i think they are about the third best uh, counter pressing team in the bundesliga based on a couple metrics and as you say counters as well this season uh, i realize i'm maybe stealing a bit from alex here but this season they've averaged 0.32 xg per 90 from counters which is twice as much as the bundesliga average the bundesliga average is 0.16 and, and they're basically twice as as effective from counters as uh, the the league on average so i guess impressive on in all respects by the sounds of it but alex why don't you tell us what you found while digging through the data and you know if if you if you have any sort of estimations of how good they actually are yeah this is a tricky team in it's well not a tricky team it's actually very consistent in the data it's just the fact that you gave up is probably the best like the best headline statistic like they are consistently top 3 or 4 the in attacking wise like non penalty expected goals per 90 um shots per 90 and uh, like shots on target per 90 as well I think they're up there like all, all the attacking metrics uh, they rank very high and all the defensive metrics they also rank very high like top 3 or 4 for like non penalty expected goals uh per 90 against like uh, shots per 90 goals per 90 against goals per 94 as well as one I forgot to mention like they, they They're very consistently there, and there's some. They've, I think, the only area where, I guess, this, this is more of an interesting statement is in the possession statistics. Uh, more specifically, they're carrying, like they rank uh, in the top three for attempted dribbles. Um, I think carries into the box penalty as well. So they're quite a, a quite a dribbly team. Um, and I did have a look as well to see maybe they've accumulated xG, uh, like. in a, a series of games and it's like uh you know coming up uh, coming up in the data maybe flatteringly and in fairness they did score five goals in two of their first three games um but they also conceded five goals in the in between game uh, they beat Bochum 5-0 from next year four this is from understat by the way so like bear in mind it might not be entirely accurate in terms of expected goals but the goals were accurate Um yeah they beat Bochum 5-0 on match day 1 from next year of about 4 then they lost to 5-1 to Leipzig uh and then they beat Freiburg 5-0 uh, straight after next year 2.1 and then if you go like game by game like they they tend to like it's very hard to find a game where they don't rack up over 1 xg um so yeah I, I, I'm not sure like things like game state are playing a big part in this. I think because like, quite a few of their games they are winning quite clearly. Uh, like they're they're they've been Köln, they've been Union Berlin, uh, goals to nil. 
um, Freiburg and Bochum as well. So I, I think the the data, the the overall summary would say like they deserve, yeah, they they deserve to be where they are, and you could expect them to finish top four, top six by the end of the season. But it's just the the players who live on loan in the team, like Undav when he goes, like they have to sign him permanently. Uh, like a few players, maybe this will be more in our prediction section, but. Well, the data suggests they'll do good this season. I'm not sure how much suggests they'll do good next season. Have you been banned from FBref for calling it FUBREF? Um, what do you mean? Have I been banned from it? Because because you look at understat. So oh, no, I was looking at uh, I was looking at FUBREF uh, the entire time as well. That's where I got all the the headline says. I just assumed it was a given that we all knew. Um, where I was coming from, but oh, yeah, just, okay. just as bad, yeah, it, it was all from uh, for breath. The only bit from understand there was uh, the game by game XG, right? Yes, I see. So, if you're like, yes, if you're a data nerd, yes, 80% of what I said was accurate. <laughs> no enough. hate to understand <laughs> with all due respect, but yeah, uh, all right, I think that sums that up. Let us now dive into some of their players which I think we've decided about half the team. That's fair enough. Obviously, the big headline maker has been Serhu Girasi. He's been smashing records, scoring at incredible rates, which Harry Kane hasn't matched. In fact, rates which even Robert Lewandowski never matched uh, in, in his time. Uh, so, I guess the big question with him is, is he actually this good? Because if you look back at his career, he's been to all sorts of places uh, in France and Germany including the second tiers, and he was never half this good. So how the hell has he got 16 goals from like, what, 11 or so league matches? He was injured in between as well. Um, and should he actually go to Manchester United? Because he's being linked there. So I guess the right person to ask this is Varun. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I'll first start with the good stuff. He is having an excellent season. And what is really strong about him is his off-the-ball movement and his positioning and awareness um, when Stuttgart has the ball. He is usually the guy who is making a really good run or making space for himself because I don't think he's excellent back to goal. Um, Alex mentioned this. I don't think he's excellent as a target man. You can't just, you know, play it long to him and expect him to aerially keep getting it down and uh, for him to do something with tough aerial balls. But he really is good at finding spaces for himself, whether it's between the lines, whether it's channel runs, whether it's behind the line. Um, he's, he's able to do that quite well. So I would say that is excellent. And you can uh, see that in his game. There was this really wonderful graph from Opta Analyst on chance creating passes received. And 80% of them are within the box for uh, Seru Gurasi. And it just shows what a good mover he is and how he's able to receive in the box uh, consistently. So that I definitely think is a strength in his game, which is largely sustainable. And as you said, I mean, some of the stats for this year are crazy. On a per 90 basis, he has more goals, more chances created as well, more expected assists, more shots taken than Erling Haaland and Lewandowski and any of the top strikers in Europe currently. Uh, so... He is pretty good at that. And uh, these are some of the good signs. But some of the not-so-great signs. Now, I was looking at his stats uh, before his last goal when he had scored 15 goals. Okay, At that point, in the Bundesliga, he had taken 31 shots, of which 17 were on target, 1-7. I'm only talking about non-penalty uh, shots, non-penalty goals, everything non-penalty. And 15 goals from 17 shots on target. Um, from a non-penalty XG of 6.7. So, in essence, I mean, I think I said this before, I like to look at uh, XG overperformance on a percentage basis. There's almost 100% overperformance. And usually the sustainable limit is around 30-40%. Under 40% and you can sustain it. There's 100% overperformance. Uh, he has 55% shots on target, which is also crazy. For reference, Erling Haaland and Harry Kane last year were under 45% after the whole season. And usually, and that's like really good. Most strikers are at the 40% mark for getting their shots on target. 
and almost every shot on target is a goal from 17 shots on target he had 15 goals all of this is very unsustainable his scoring streak will drop he is not going to be scoring at this rate forever and largely you also have to understand stuttgart have created the second most xg in the bundesliga this is actually a wonderful team that is creating very high quality chances they have the second most shot quality as well and the second most non penalty xg as well in the bundesliga this is a team that is genuinely creating good chances and fair gurasi is in a good phase and his movement especially is good and if you see a lot of his finishes they scream of a guy who's super confident some of them are genuinely good finishes they are either one time shots or he's cutting past the last man or he's chipping the goalkeeper he's just in a great form a lot of times when xg over performance happens is just a striker in very very good confidence who's just hitting it without thinking chipping it you know or cutting past the last player without even thinking much he's just a very very flow kind of thing and he he's in that flow right now but yeah considering this is his career first unsustainable streak at the age of 27 i don't think teams should move for him the 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 thing is he has a release clause of 17.5 million so it is an attractive proposition but i don't think a top team should move for him with the aim of making him their main striker there are rumors ac milan want him that could be a decent fit um i don't think manchester united should go for him or any of the really really top teams uh, should go for him because once this streak dies out and if he's put in complicated positions like low blocks and he has to play a lot of back to goal or rely on other aspects like uh, aerial balls it'll start getting really tough and he won't look as good so i think bundesliga suits him or a team that is able to create a lot of high quality chances in transition suits him and currently i think that's stuttgart so you don't think manchester united should get him no very good there i i guess you can put the headlights manchester united have signed him uh, but uh, on a serious note um I think it's interesting to think about um Girassi's overperformance in the context of Stuttgart as you alluded to because if if you just look at Stuttgart's sort of xg and goals for it's basically the same I think there's like a 0.6 difference um and so what that suggests is that you know whatever Girassi has overperformed has sort of been balanced off by others underperforming but then if 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 you dive into the players what's interesting is now obviously in terms of goals girassi is yeah by far the most important player he got just under half of their goals and then he's on 16 and then dennis undav is on 8 a lovely player i'll dive into him in just a second but then there's no real consistent scorer so it's girassi undav and then everyone chipping in with 3 or 2 and then if if we look at what that looks like in terms of uh, xg uh, relative to xg we'll find that undav is is also as i guess you can say finishing pretty well he's overperformed by like pl- almost plus 2 which is i mean definitely more sustainable than girassi uh, and if we look at underperformance uh, we find uh, jamie leveling has underperformed by about minus 2 and silas as well uh, has underperformed uh, with about 16 shots attempted so while um, i guess I guess we can safely say that uh, Girassi will probably drop off by the end of the season quite possibly given his crazy overperformance at least to some degree you know he won't keep scoring at this rate uh I think it's we can also say that there are players in the Stuttgart team who could maybe step up a bit of course Undav could consistently keep getting those goals so he's useful and then if the likes of Silas and you know Leveling off and off the bench uh also maybe step up their finishing a bit stuttgart won't be massively impacted uh by a, a little drop off so i guess that's ultimately also you know uh, uh maybe a more positive outlook on it for stuttgart than might meet the surface when you see that like girassi scored over half of his shots on target um but yeah moving on to dennis undaf this is a player who i really really like um and i'm really high on i first watched him at royal union sanchilwas in what 2020 2021 uh where he was simply sensational 
I believe he won the European Golden Boot that season. Uh, but he definitely scored absolutely tons of goals. Um, I think it was, I think like 25 plus in the Belgian Pro League in the 21-22 season. And uh, Brighton signed him uh, on the back of that or in the midst of that. Of course, Union are a sort of a relative club to assist the club to Brighton, let's say. Um, and then he went to Brighton at the end of that season. But it didn't really work out. He wasn't exactly a starting striker. And then when he did get chances, he didn't perform. I mean, he, he, didn't, he didn't show the stuff he showed at Union for whatever reason, which is weird because I, I, I did think he would do well. But so on the back of that, they loaned him to Stuttgart at the start of this season. He did get off to a bit of a slow start. He didn't exactly, you know, come in and light the world on fire. Obviously, there was Girasi lighting the world on fire. So it wasn't a big problem for Stuttgart. But yeah, he he, he kept at it. They uh, kept giving him chances. And he's, he's come good now. He's, I believe, scored five goals in his last five games. If you go back to his last nine, I think that's eight. So he's definitely in form now. And... Yeah, he's he's. I mean, when he's when he's clicking, he's a really really good player. He used to play as a part of front two at Union Saint Gilles with Dante Foncier, and I think that's really helped him here because he has that strike partner in Girassi to to work with and work off of. So his his all round game is is really helpful, uh, or rather really useful, in this respect. So he can sort of drop off and obviously link up receive the ball he he definitely drops off way more than Girassi so he he serves the sometimes the connector you know from midfield to attack and yeah technically very sound and so a, a good facilitator in that respect so he does create a fair bit as well I think he's got like 3.5 uh, shot creating actions per 90 in the last year so yeah a very good well-rounded striker great movement uh, into the box and uh, yeah, just a good presence and a good goal threat. And yeah, like when he's in form, when he's shooting and finishing well, he, I mean, he, he'll, he'll get you goals. He's, I think, averaging about a goal a game in the last year overall. So, or a goal per 90 at least. So yeah, I, I, I guess the, the, the key thing is sort of getting him in form. And I guess for a bit of context, uh, on FBRF, there's obviously the similar players feature you might have heard of. And the number one uh, similar player to Undaf is Karim Benzema. So I think I think that, that tells you everything about sort of what sort of a well-rounded forward he is. So yeah, I I, I really enjoy uh, watching Tennis Undaf. But Alex has other people to speak about and he's sick and tired of hearing me talk about Undaf. <laughs> <laughs> For the listeners, we have uh, nine minutes now until I, I literally need to run and uh, they'll work for a full feature-length podcast on tennis and that, which is fine uh, because it because it means I will talk for about a minute uh, this to bully me off the pod. Anyway, Silas. Uh, yes, he is the guy you've probably heard of. He uh, was known under a different name. Uh, we're not going to get into all the details why we only know him now as Silas uh, Katumpa Mavumpa. Um, but he's had a very good year. He's 25 years old, been a hyper central player for a few years. Um, and I think all his history is finally coming into work now. He has history as a right wing back. That helps him track back to Stuttgart, uh, play off the right, plays like going on the outside. But what's been especially fun this season, how he's got three goals, one assist, how he scored against Dortmund um, last week in DFB Pokal. Uh, it's his movement and link with uh, Girassi. He comes in off that right and like Wolfton Jordan's like a second striker almost. Uh, like sometimes on the same line as Undav. And he's like the most damaging player, I think, making that uh that off ball run off Gerasi and letting Gerasi link it link it back to him with that back heels and stuff. Uh he was excellent against Vada Bremen uh, a couple of weeks ago in that game. Like everything went down his side pretty much. He's just he's just such an impactful player, like I said, can go on the outside. Um like averaging nearly two dribbles to 90, but it's the work on the inside and the off-ball stuff that really makes Stuttgart unpredictable. Like, it's one thing having Undav, you could throw everything through him, but I think without uh, Silas, it wouldn't be quite as fluid and as unpredictable for opposition sides. 
Yep. And I guess we do have three more players to speak of. But maybe for the interest of time, we should whisk through them very, very quickly. Uh, those are Chris Furich, Enzo Mio, and Don Axel Sagadu. Why don't we give each of them like a minute? Uh, so quickly on Chris Furich. He's been really impressive, uh, so much so that he got his first uh, Germany call-up uh, in October. And yeah, he's, he's just a very intelligent player, uh, nominally a winger, but does love to drift inside a lot. Um, he's very good at taking people on, great carrier, a good dribbler getting past. And then he, yeah, he's, he's a good decision maker, you know, in and around the box, gets good shots off, creates good stuff for his teammates. So yeah, just a very good intelligent player to have. So he, he's, he's done well. Uh, Varun, just, oh, you have something to add? Right. Yeah, just one line on Furich. The act of a shot creating or goal creating action after a carry. Um, Furich is one of the best in Europe at it. He has the most uh, shot creating actions after a carry. Uh, Opta Analyst did this really nice whiz on him where actions following carries, he, uh, he has one goal, seven shots, eight chances created and four assists. And all of them are in like really dangerous zones at the edge of the box. They're not random. So it just sums up his game. A really good dribbler on that left side, left half space. And then also has the vision to create after uh, after a dribble. So yeah, wonderful play. Indeed. All right. Who have we got next? Alex Enzomio. Yeah, 21-year-old Frenchman. Uh, we've spoken about him. He's like the number 10 in this system. Uh, but yeah, he can play in central midfield as well. Uh, not quite as much to shout about yet. I think he's still developing as a player and his statistics don't look particularly great, but I think that's because a lot of what he does is off the ball. Um, yeah, he's a valuable component in this team. I think we'll see more of him going forward. If you want a nice look at him, you can look at the relegation playoff last season against uh, Hamburg, where Milos scored, I think, both goals um, that kept Stuttgart up. And uh, yeah, he's now playing as a regular starter. Very fun, tidy midfielder. And last one we've got is Danaksal Zagadu. He came through at Dortmund. Um, and when he left, he wasn't regarded as the best centre-back in the world. I mean, he probably still is not. But there were you know, real concerns about sort of his uh, his consistency and sometimes like his awareness or like, you know, uh, being sort of being susceptible to lapses of concentration while defending and that sort of stuff. But I've been really impressed by him at Stuttgart. Uh, this season his ball playing in particular has stood out to me he's got a great range of passing with his right foot whether he plays on the left uh, or right as a you know, left to right center back he he does his, his his ball playing is is really really good and really helps the team build a lot and defensively as well they do play a pretty high line and he has done quite well so far he's got good acceleration and speed to sort of track back cover ground uh, and he's pretty strong in in duels as well so i've been impressed by sagadu maybe proving a few doubters wrong this season. So he has done quite well as well. And I guess that rounds up, rounds us off rather for our players. So the last thing to do is predictions. Alex, why don't you go first? So that even if Varun and I go on, you can run off. <laughs> uh, I think Stuttgart will finish uh, fourth. And I also think they're going to win the DFB Pokal. And the next season, they're going to go down to like 11th. Uh, won't fall to far down but I think their success is also part of the state of the Bundesliga at the moment uh, kind of how Union Berlin are failing um, it's a bit late to go into, into super depth but Stuttgart are a very different team in the league and I think another year of teams learning from them and adapting to them uh, will be harmful to their success but I don't think I don't think it's going to impact their success this season Interesting What are your thoughts Warren? Uh this is a tough one. I am going to put them at fourth. Um, and I still think that will be massive overperformance. Uh, their wage bill is 11th in the Bundesliga. And I think right now they're trending third for most underlyings. I think that max drops to fourth or fifth. So I'm just going to put them at fourth for now, positively speaking. Interesting. I'm going to go and say third. Because Borussia Dortmund are deeply, deeply unserious. Um, and Erbe Leipzig have not been that serious either this season. So I think they can actually hold on to that spot behind Bayern and Leverkusen. I'm a bit skeptical about what I said about Leipzig, but you know, I, I'm going to back them. So yeah, I'm going to put them th- third. And yeah, great shout, Alex, on the Pokal. 
I do think they can win it as well because well all the big teams are gone and it's 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 a yeah. for all all eight teams left it's a massive chance so everyone has to back themselves to it uh, to excuse me win it um, and Stuttgart definitely one of the stronger teams left uh, so that's that's my prediction for them and yeah a good point Alex as well on you know maybe the league adapting to them eventually because. Uh, as opposed to Union, who were sort of um, like defensive controllers, if you will, like they sort of played a control style defensively. Stuttgart are possession controllers. So actually, I do think they can sustain this a little bit longer than Union. So even next season, I'm going to say they will at least challenge for a European spot. But I think that rounds us off very nicely indeed and right in time. So well done to all involved. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, if you enjoyed this and if you enjoyed our, our analysis, you can find all of us on Twitter. I'm at Shailat Neil. Varun A runs the at Devil's DNA account. Alex is at your expert underscore. And if you get uh, over to the Get Football account at Get Football EU, you'll find links to all the country and league specific accounts in the bio where you can uh, stay updated with all the latest news, analysis opinions and all sorts of stuff from the top leagues in Europe and around the world. You'll be able to find a link to all of that in the description or the notes of this episode as well, depending on where you're listening. So you can take a look there. Um, And if your app does allow it, please do rate the podcast. Uh, And if you enjoyed it, please do give us a five star because that helps us. And of course, if you uh, found this interesting, feel free to share on social media as well. But anyway, in any case, thank you for listening. Thanks to you, Alex and Varun. And we'll be back next week with another interesting episode. Take care until then. Bye-bye.